Good morning. Well, I tell you, I don't know if you guys get this, but it is so good to be in the body of Christ and worship. This is like way better than online. If you're online, I apologize, but this is way better. So my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. I recently moved to Havasu Lake. I was exiled by Doug, um, but maybe I wasn't. Okay. Um, so really briefly before I even get started, because I know you guys are way more concerned about this than you are about anything else, I'm going to say Marge is fine. Yay. Yeah. So she had a follow-up appointment last week, which is why we're here. And um, there's no cancer. She needs no chemo. She needs no radiation. She needs nothing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we're staying with our daughter in Oceanside, and um, she developed kidney stones in both kidneys. And so I think she just loves the sympathy she gets in service and stuff. But So Friday, they're doing an, a procedure on her left kidney to get those kidney stones up and blow them up and try to get them dispersed over a few weeks. And then she'll come back and do the right kidney. And then um, we're praying that that will be it for a while. So, But she's doing well. And she would love to be here. But because of all the other stuff, she's not able to. She really misses you guys. And so just wanted to give you a little bit of an update on how she's doing. Now you won't be sitting there going, I wonder how Mar Marge is doing. And you won't hear a word I say. So speaking of Marge, um, when, when our youngest daughter was um, five or six years old, and um, we were cleaning the house and doing stuff. And, and Marge asked her to go up to her room and clean her room. And Anne just went up to her room and, and, you know, we were doing what we were doing. We hadn't heard anything from her for a while. And Marge went up and went in and, and Anne was sitting on her bed. And she hadn't touched anything yet. And Marge goes, Anne, what, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? And, you know, these little five-year-olds, I can't. What do, you, what do you mean you can't? I can't do this. And so Marge goes, whoa, I, I just can't. So she goes, listen, let me, let me help you, okay? So Marge came alongside Anne and said, okay, where does that doll go? She goes, it goes over there. Okay, put it over there. Where, does the, where do those clothes go? And so over the course of a fairly short period of time, um, she got the room cleaned. So she went from being completely overwhelmed and paralyzed to being able to do something that she needed to do and to do it efficiently and, and peacefully. I mean, it took all the pressure off of her. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about um, what I want to share because Doug has been going through Acts. Has that been good? Yes. That has been so good. And he's been talking about um, the commission, about our body life and how we as a body are able to, to carry out that mission. He talked about world-changing power that we have. And, and the last few weeks, he's been talking about going. And he's been talking about this yogurt that Garrett eats um, that I guess it brings eight or 15 people together and they eat the yogurt together. Um, I, I'm confused by that video, but, um, you know, but this oikos, where, where we have people that we see every day, eight to 15 people that we see every day and that we can impact them for the Lord. And, and by impacting those people, we can change the world. Really good stuff. And I don't know if you're like me, but I see all that stuff and I read the book of Acts and I kind of feel like Anne. 
God, this is, this is overwhelming. Even 8 to 15 people, I, I don't even talk to those people. I just see them all the time. And the thought of doing that can be overwhelming. And so I want to talk about that. I want, to, I want to help you relax with what God is allowing you to do and what God's allowing you to be. So that we can um, actually be world changers because this church is going to be and is Acts Church. I mean, we have, we have just the tremendous working of the Holy Spirit of people who love God. And as we come together, the light is shining. And I just want to, to help you relax a little bit. And be excited about the future that God has for you. And we're going to do that by going through uh, some, some chapters in the Gospel of John. So um, you can turn there if you like. We're going to be in John 13, 14, and 15. And so since he has, you know, exiled me and he gets to put me up here, I figure you guys wouldn't mind being here until like 3 o'clock this afternoon, would you? <laughs> Get it all out of my system. So Acts 13, as we get, I mean, John 13. Now, if you're a guy and you're 18 or older, we've been covering this in our men's Bible study. And if you're not coming, shame on you. I just, I'm just going to tell you that. I mean, this is good stuff with brothers who love the Lord and who are sharing together. And, and it's, it's, it's transforming stuff. And I don't know if there's anything more important at 8 o'clock, not even sleep, than coming together and um, sharpening each other as men you know, sharpen each other. So that's just a little beside the point, but um, wives, feel free to um, do this. You, you have my permission. So as we get into John 13, I just want to set the stage because the disciples have been with John, I mean, they've been with Jesus for three years. And so they knew Jesus. I mean, they've been watching Jesus over those three years, and they, they knew what Jesus was all about. I mean, he was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the victorious king that was going to come in and restore Israel. He's the guy that um, healed the sick. He cast out demons. He healed paralytics. He healed people with leprosy. He confounded the Pharisees, and the Pharisees could never get him. He walked on water. He calmed the sea. He was the man. He was the man. And, and they were with him. So that's the Jesus that the disciples knew. And in John 13, we're going to see Jesus going through a process to deepen that relationship with him. Because our, our relationship with Jesus continually deepens as we get to know him more as we get to more, know him more deeply. And so Jesus is going to take the disciples through a process of getting to know him more deeply. And so in John 13, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus now is getting to the point where he is going to be betrayed by Judas. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. And the disciples are going to see this. So his, his hour is coming when that is going to happen. And he knows it's coming. And, and Jesus also knows that the, the, the disciples see him as the world changer man that's going, to, that's going to take care of Rome, that's going to come in on this white horse, that's going to, that's going to put Israel back on the map again. And Jesus is, 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 is really focused on 
helping them understand more deeply what he's really all about. And so in this chapter, Jesus begins to get them um, introduced to him in a more deep way. And, and I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to tell you what it says. And if you were at the men's Bible study, you would know exactly what it says, man. Um, but what happens is Jesus gets up, takes out his outer garments, wraps a towel around himself, grabs some water, pours it in a basin, and begins to walk around washing his disciples' feet. You guys all know the story, right? And so he's washing their feet. And Peter, who I really love because Peter always says what everybody else is thinking, but they're too afraid to say. Or they have more common sense. I don't know which one it is, but I would like to believe that he says things that um, we would love to say, but we're just too chicken. And Jesus says, no, are you going to wash my feet, Jesus? And Jesus says this, and I want us to kind of understand the context of what's going on. Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. So Jesus is beginning to help them see him in a more deep way. And he says, you're not getting this now, but you will. And isn't there a lot of times in our lives where something happens and we're just totally confused and we go, I don't get this. And, and, and Jesus would, would want us to know that he says, you know, you don't get this now, but you will. Trust me. Just trust me. And so he's helping these guys understand him in a little more deep way. So he goes through, he washes their feet. Um, and basically what he's trying to get them to understand is that, that he came to serve. This is a different Jesus than he's been telling them this for three years, but they're not getting it. It goes right over their head because what's their perspective? Who is Jesus in their minds? Jesus is this guy that's making their life better. And now Jesus is saying, I am a servant. I came to serve. I didn't come to conquer. And so he's trying to get them to understand what he's really all about on a deeper level. Are you with me? And then not only does, does he say, I came to serve, but by the way, if you're with me, you're serving. You should wash each other's feet. And, and in, in verse um, 19, as we move, as we race through John 13, so we can get done in a reasonable time, he goes, from now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. So Jesus is getting them to understand what he's really all about, but he's also saying, I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff that's going to happen, and you're not going to get it, but you will. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, so then when it happens, you go, oh, oh. And that is exactly what the Word of God is for us today. That's so that we can see things that are going on and we go, oh. And, and it happens. See, a few weeks ago, my daughter, Janelle, my oldest, who just is like, she, she listens to books like crazy and reads books like crazy. And she calls me up and she goes, Dad, how, how is it? that I was raised in a Christian family, I had a dad who read all kinds of books, and you never told me to read Hiding Place. I go, we didn't. <laughs> she goes, that book is unbelievable. And I go, yeah, it's really good. She goes, you need to read it again. I said, okay, so I read it. It blew me away again. If you haven't read that book, it is unbelievable how God is in control and how God does things that she doesn't understand, but there's a reason for it that she understands later. Unbelievable. That's, that's how Jesus works. We're different, right? Our Jesus is this. Tell me ahead of time what's going to happen so I know what's going to happen so I can decide whether I like it or not, and then I'll decide whether I want to do it or not, right? Or are you not like me? 
So Jesus is going, I came to serve. I didn't come to be served. And then as we go through this chapter, verses 21 to 30, he drops another thing on them that's going to confuse them. He says, by the way, one of you is going to betray me. They didn't get it. This is, the, this is their conquering hero. So being betrayed to them, we've got to say, okay, somebody's going to tell on him and he's going to disappear. The Pharisees aren't going to get him because he's been doing this for three years. And they, and, and they go, who? And he goes, the one I dip the bread in, I give to. So he dips the bread, he gives it to Judas. He goes, do, go, go immediately, do what you have to do. And he gets up and leaves. And they still didn't get it. They still didn't know that it was Judas. That's, that's how lost they were in understanding what Jesus was all about. And so now they got this, this, I came to serve picture of Jesus, and I'm going to be betrayed. Talking about being confused, talking about being a little bit overwhelmed, I, they're not getting this. This is not the picture that they have of who Jesus is. This isn't the Jesus that they know. But he's beginning to, to help them understand what he really is all about in a deeper way. And he says, You're, I'm going to get betrayed. And then as we go through the chapter, he, he, he tells them something else that's even more mind-blowing. He says, he goes, um, in verse 21, he says, When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And then he goes on in verse 31, and he says, Therefore, when he had gone out, um, that's Judas, he says, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. And they're not getting this. He says, little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. The new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, he's starting to get them to understand what's going to be happening in Acts, which we just spent weeks going through. Simon Peter said to him, which I love because all the disciples were thinking this very thing, and they said it in 14, we'll see that. Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. You have to get this picture. Jesus is saying, I am going away. The disciples are thinking, we followed this guy for three years, and he's going away? Where are you going Somewhere in Galilee, you're going to Egypt, where are you going? Because don't tell us now, after we've done all this stuff for three years, you're leaving us. This isn't the plan. They had no idea what he was talking about. They thought he was leaving somewhere. And they're thinking, why can't we go? Why can't we go? I mean, if you're going, we're going. We've gone with you for the last three years. We're not stopping now. You're not bailing on us now. So Peter says, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Wow. None of this made sense to the disciples. They knew who Jesus was all about. They knew what Jesus was all about. They knew what Jesus was supposed to do. And now Jesus has them totally confused, totally concerned, totally blown away, totally overwhelmed. Three years of their lives, they poured into Jesus. They left everything that they knew, everything that they had. They believed him. They believed in him. They trusted him. And now he's leaving. They had no idea what he was talking about. 
And here's the exciting thing for you and for me, because so often we get ourselves into positions in our life, don't we, that we have no clue what's going on, right? And we want Jesus to tell us what's going on. And the reality of this is that the stuff that Jesus is doing, really he's doing in spite of us, not because of us. If we get that, we'll be a lot freer. See, Jesus, as he's going to the cross, was not doing that because of the disciples and how good the disciples were and how loyal the disciples were and how faithful that he was doing it in spite of them. Because they needed it and they can't go with him because they're not going to be able to be redeemed until he dies and rises from the dead. Amen? We can't get to the Father without the crucifixion, the death, crucifixion, and resurrection. So Jesus is helping them understand what he's really all about. And they have no idea what he's talking about. Even though the Old Testament is full of prophecies about what Jesus is going to do. But nobody pictures Jesus that way. So now we get into chapter 14. And this is cool because now Jesus is going to start painting the picture. And he's going to help them understand that, hey, it's not about you. It's not about your abilities. It's not about your skill set. It's not about how good your personality is. It's not about how smart you are. It has nothing to do with all that stuff. Because what I'm doing and what I'm going to do is going to be in spite of you, not because of you, not because you're so talented and you're so worthy and you're so good and you're so loving and you're all that stuff. It's like, no, in spite of the fact that you're a mess. And I'm a mess. Then he goes, I need to clean up this mess. And that was his purpose. And he wanted them to understand that. So as we get into John 14, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He goes, you guys, don't be bummed. Trust me. Trust me. Let me help you understand this. Here's where I'm going. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way that I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. What are you talking about? How do we know the way? And this is a very common verse, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, we've read the end of the story. We've read all kinds of stuff. That's familiar to us. To them, that was brand new. I mean, so he's going to the Father, and basically he's helping them understand why he is going to go to the cross, because I am the only way to eternity for you guys. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And here's the deal, you guys. So much today is like there's many paths to God. There's a lot of ways to God. God is in the nature. God is in the, you know, everywhere. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to get to God. And if that was really true, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? He could have just stayed in heaven, right? And said, hey, there's a bunch of ways. You guys pick the one that you like the best. Jesus is going, no, there's one way, period. And people go, well, you're so narrow. It was very costly. So he says that, and then, then um, he, says to, he says in verse 7, if you had known me, huh, if you had known me, you go, well, we know you, Jesus. No, if you had known me, I mean, you had a picture of who I was, but not completely. If you really had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip says to him, Lord, show us a father, and it is enough for us. 
And Jesus said to him, have I, been, have I been so long with you and you have not come to know me? I think he says that to me all the time. Dave, have I been with you so long and you haven't come to know me? You don't know what I'm really all about. You don't know how much I love you and how, what the plan I have for you. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me, he does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will, also, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, Jesus wants the disciples to know him more deeply. He wants them to know, he wants them to know him more deeply. And when you get to know me more deeply, and you understand my relationship with the Father, and, and as, as I'm in the Father, the Father is in me, I am in you. And the relationship that we have with Jesus, as it becomes more deeply attached, we, we understand what his heart is. And we begin to want what Jesus wants. And that's what Jesus said. When you love me so much and when you and I are so linked up, you will know what my heart is. You will know what I want to accomplish. And you can ask me whatever you want. And I'll make it happen because you're going to fulfill the purpose I have for you. Now, we like to take that verse and say, well, I want a Cadillac. Come on, Jesus. You promised. It's not, it's not what he's saying. See, and, and because we don't know Jesus, we take that verse and we go, this is what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is, Those, you don't know me if that's what you think I'm, I'm all about. And Jesus wanted his disciples to really know what he's all about. Because in order for us to be free from this overwhelming feeling, we need to know Jesus. And we need to trust Jesus. And when we know Jesus more deeply, we can trust him more completely. It's all about knowing him. It's not about doing stuff. See, there's a huge difference, isn't there, about knowing about somebody and knowing somebody? It's huge, isn't it? You can know about somebody, all their capabilities, all their, their, their stuff. And if you don't know them, can you really trust them to do anything for you or with you or about you? I mean, I know, I know about Warren Buffett. I know Warren Buffett has a very successful financial career. And I also know that Warren Buffett has more money than he will ever spend in his entire lifetime. Even if he really tried, he couldn't spend it all. And I also know that he's getting older and he has even less time to spend all his money. And I also know that he would not even miss $100 million. I mean, he wouldn't even miss it. It wouldn't be a blimp on his budget. But I don't know if I can get $100 million out of Warren Buffett. I don't know him. I don't even, I know his email address is. I don't know what his phone number is. I don't know how to text him. I don't know how to get in touch with him. And even if I could go through the 35 layers of people that I have to go through to get to Warren Buffett, if I actually got to him, 
He doesn't know me. So would he give me $100 million? Could I trust him to give me $100 million? I'm just one of like 500,000 people that are asking Warren Buffett for money. He doesn't know me. I don't know him. There's no relationship there. How do I ask him for anything? Now, if by some chance I bumped into him on the street or something happened and he goes, I really like that guy, because that's what people do when they see me. They go, I really like that guy. (laughs) And we got to be really good friends. And I really got to know him. And I got to know his heart. I got to know what he wanted to do with it, what his legacy was all about, what he really wanted to see happen with his money. And, and I really understood that. And I had something that I was passionate about that was totally aligned with his legacy and what he wanted to do. And if I went to him and says, you know, Warren, I have this plan, this thing, and it's, here's what it'll do. And here's how it'll help you with your legacy. And here's how it's going to fulfill what you want to do. You think he'd give me $100 million? Yeah, heck yeah, he would. That's what Jesus is saying. If you get to know me, if you get to know what I'm all about, if you get to know where my heart is, you ask me whatever you want, I'll help you do it. Jesus wants his disciples to understand that. Get to know me. Trust me. And then he goes on in verse 16 and he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. This is so important. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in the Father and my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And then Judas, not as scary because he already split, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Jesus is helping them understand what life after Jesus is going to be like. It's going to be way better because I'm going to be in you and you're going to be in me. This is what we know by being born again, by being transformed. This is when the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to do a transforming work. Unbelievable things can happen through us. And it's not us doing it. It's God doing it through us. This is freeing, you guys, because if you think you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this, that is overwhelming. But if you know that all I have to do is let God be in me and transform me and he is going to do all those things, that's freeing. See, when Marge came into the room and said, Annie, let me come alongside you. Let me help you. That was freeing for Annie. That wasn't constricting to her. It freed her up. Here, where does this go? Okay, let's put it over here. Where does this go? Let's put it over here. Where does this go? Let's put it over here. Hey, if Jesus is with you, doing that with you, it's freeing. We we don't have to be overwhelmed. That, That is such good news, you guys. And so he starts talking about if anyone is, in verse 23, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. The world doesn't know. How could they know? They don't know him. Just like I don't know Warren Buffett. They don't know him. How could they have a relationship with him? And the world and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. He didn't say stress I leave you, my stress I give to you. He didn't say my overwhelming work I leave for you. He says my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Saying, if you really knew me and what I'm all about, you would understand, but you don't. So now in verse 29, I've told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may, be, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming and has nothing in me. So he's positioning them again for what's going to happen. He's going, you're not going to get it, but you will. Trust me. And then he says at the end, he says, hey, we got to get up and go, so let's go. And they split. So here is Jesus trying to help them through the process that they're going to experience. Help them understand what's going to be happening so that they won't be overwhelmed. And I want you guys to feel that same freedom that happens when you can trust God. But it's the important part of this is getting to know him. As they leave this upper room and they start going out to through the Valley of Kidron up to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to be betrayed and where the whole thing's going to start. Who knows what, what prompted this conversation that Jesus has? Whether he saw the vine on the door of the temple and you know, Israel has been described as the vine in a lot of different Old Testament passages, whether they're passing through vineyards or what it is. But Jesus now is getting to, how do you get to know me more deeply? How do you begin to be the world changes that you're going to be in Acts? In, in, in John 15, he says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He abides in me and I in him. He bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. Are you getting that picture? How can we be an Acts church? How can we be a church that does all that Doug has been talking about? Abide in Christ. Get to know Jesus more deeply. It's not about doing. It's about being and becoming. If we become, then he will do it through us. And here's the thing. It's not about doing. It's not about reading your Bible more. It's about being with Jesus more. See, when, when we're here, and this is a task, not a relationship, there's nothing there. When it's a relationship, and it may only be one verse that you read and you go, oh, and you spend the rest of the day just thinking about that verse and allowing the Holy Spirit to put that verse in your heart and allow that, the Holy Spirit to do a transforming work with that verse. It becomes relational. I don't know how God does this. I don't know how God works that way, but this book, it's transforming. 
It's how we get to know him more deeply, how we get to understand his purposes more clearly. The disciples didn't get it. But here's what happened. Jesus told them a bunch of stuff. And then he, was, he died and he was crucified. Peter denied him. The disciples split. They were a mess. Jesus rose from the, from the dead. Oh, yeah. And he appeared to them. And he explained things to them. He explained what the Old Testament was all about and all the Old Testament prophecies about him. He explained to them why he was alive. He explained to them why he had to go to the cross. Forty days he was with them, helping them understand what they didn't know about him. Helping them get to know him more deeply. Trust me, you guys. Here's what happened. Here's why I was crucified. Here's what people need to know. And then, they, then he said, go and wait. And they were kind of happy about that. Okay, let's go into this room where we can close the door and nobody can bother us. And they waited. They didn't know what, that, what was going to happen. The disciples didn't think, you know what, maybe we should learn a bunch of foreign languages because we may have to speak a bunch of foreign I don't know, maybe, but we should, right? Peter said, well, you know, I should probably study the Old Testament more. And so I, you know, if something happens, I know, how, I know what Joel says. I can't even find Joel in the Bible. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit comes and he descends on them. They didn't prep for that. They distrusted Jesus. They had 40 days for Jesus to help them understand what it was all about. They distrusted him. And they, just, they went and did what he told them to do. And the Holy Spirit came down and descended on them. And a miracle happened. That's what the Holy Spirit does. They just started speaking in different languages. They didn't know what they were doing. That just happened. God did it. God did it. Peter got up and preached. He didn't prep that. Jesus spent 40 days teaching him all that stuff. And the Holy Spirit brought to his mind those things that Jesus told him. And he preached and 5,000 people. He didn't do that. He, they're abiding in the vine. God produced fruit. You want to be somebody that impacts those 8 to 15 people? Don't stress out. Just get to know Jesus more deeply. That's the richness of what the Holy Spirit does in our life. We, he, we allow him to come into us and do a transforming work. Listen, this is important. And I'm already a minute over. Um, but God, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He didn't say... You're the flashlight of the world. He didn't say, make sure your batteries are charged. And when you go out into your day, have your flashlight. Just in case you need to shine light on something, you can turn your flashlight on. It's okay. It's time for, oh, okay. Turn it back off. I can go do my thing again. I, oh, flashlight. And I hope the battery doesn't run out throughout the day. Because then you've got to go back and charge it up somehow. And maybe we can use this to charge our battery a little bit. He says, you're the light of the world. This is so important because when the sun comes up, the sun doesn't come up dark and then all of a sudden here it goes, oh, got to shine. The sun just comes up and everywhere it goes, it shines light, right? Everywhere it goes, it shines light. There's light everywhere that the sun is. It's the same way with the S-O-N, sun. When, when the sun is in us, when we get to know him more deeply, and as we get to know him more deeply, we become the light of the world. We become light. We are light. 
See, I don't have to worry about going out and figuring out how to talk to so-and-so. I need to get to know Jesus more deeply and have Jesus be in me more completely because if God is in me, what is God? God is love, right? So I don't have to be more loving. I don't have to do more loving things. I need to be more like Jesus because if Jesus is in me more and more, guess what happens when I go through my day? I just love people. I don't have to figure out how to love people. I am so full of Jesus, I just love people. And maybe I do pull into my driveway and I'm waving at this neighbor for the last four days because they're part of my, eco, whatever that is. <laughs> that cup of yogurt. And I've been smiling at them and I've been loving them and, and, and the Holy Spirit says, you need to go talk to them. I, I'm not going to, I'm not, oh no. Trust me. Trust me, just go love them. You don't have to say anything special. Just go love them. Then just go up and go, hi, just want to introduce myself. I'm Dave. We see each other all the time. How long have you been living here? Do you have kids? You just, you just love them. You don't have to do anything special. Just love them. And who knows? Who knows what God's going to do? It may just be that's, that when you're going through kidney operation, you're going through surgery for some cancer thing, and you're going to all these nurses and all these doctors and staying in all these hotel rooms, that you are just Jesus while you're doing that. And people know that you're a Christian, and they go, wow, that person's different. I wonder what is it with that person. And we don't say anything. They go find out somewhere else. And they end up, a friend of theirs takes them to church, and they come to Christ. Was I a part of that? Heck yeah. Just, just by being Jesus. Take the pressure off, you guys. Just be Jesus. It's really not about you. It's not about your talent. It's not about your ability. It's about your willingness to, to know Jesus more deeply and trust Jesus more completely and allow him to just shine through you and just love people. If you do that, you're good. Because the more you get to know Jesus, the more you see people differently. That neighbor that annoys you all the time, you start seeing them differently. God does that. God gives us love. God helps us see people differently. The disciples walked by the same guy for who knows how many months. And then one time they saw him differently and they said, hey, we don't have any money, but what we do have, get up and... And they just, they just loved the guy. They didn't plan that. They didn't go, you know what? That guy's been laying there all the time. I'm, what should we do the next time we go by? Why don't you say this and I'll say that and you pick him up and I'll do this? And No, they just let God in them work. And if you can just be free to get to know Jesus more deeply and to trust him, who knows what kind of stuff God will do through us, in us, in blessing his ministry. It's exciting. Just know him more deeply and trust him. That's what it's all about. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that it's, it's your Holy Spirit that fills us. It's your grace that has redeemed us. And it's your working that continually transforms us, Lord. And the transformation is for us to be more like you to be more full of your love, to be more full of your compassion, to be more full of your peace, to be able to trust you in all situations, 
even if we don't get it, even if we don't understand, even if it doesn't make sense to us, to know that you love us deeply and that your heart is for us. Father, allow us to understand that and to internalize that and to walk in you in a powerful way. And Lord, we are so blessed to be a part of your plan and so privileged to be able to be used by you. We just submit to you, to the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One last thing before you go. Jesus doesn't love you less because you know him less. Jesus doesn't know you less because you know him less. He knows you intimately, and he loves you intimately. You love him less because you don't know him well. As you get to know him more intimately and more deeply, you're going to love him more deeply. And you'll recognize how much he loves you and how much he cares about you. So as you go, go in the power of the Holy Spirit, loving people, knowing Jesus more deeply, and trusting them more completely to his glory. Amen. Amen.